our category has been somewhat bastardized over the you know last 50 years by by brands that have once started out to be be good but then have kind of value engineered themselves into mediocrity and as a result there have been a lot of people that have exited a lot of consumers that have exited even buying uh, dinner sauces because of the just mediocrity of the of the experience. So we really want to bring people back into that into the category, and that's that's where our 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 quality, our our small literally small batch process comes into play, and that's what we try to 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 communicate in our in our marketing and really trying to grab that person who is who has maybe said I'm not. You know, I'm, it's a glorified hot dog, so I'm not going to eat it anymore. Whatever. Uh, trying to bring that person back in and create an authentic, show them what really an authentic smoked sausage looks like, and then using that really to expand the category for the retailer. So it's a little bit of a, of a uh, flanking. I'd call it a flanking, you know, maneuver, if you will, to the in, in the category. Really to bring people back into the category and expand the, the category for the, for the retailer. Welcome to Winning at Work, the podcast for foodies, founders, and food and beverage professionals. You know, if you wanted to discover a new brand, a new food or beverage to try, there are literally thousands of companies out there. It is very difficult to do that. That's why we curate the different the better and the special brands here each and every week so you don't have to do the heavy lifting. If you're a founder and you're looking to connect with other like-minded executives, we make that very easy. And if you just work in the food and beverage industry and you're looking for fresh inspiration, we have that here in spades. This episode is sponsored by Temple. Congratulations, you're selling in retail. But the competition is fierce and your brand is surrounded by similar products. How will consumers find you? Let Temple show you an innovative retail sales solution. Click on the Attract Consumers link below. Need to attract great employees? Click on the Hire Now below and we'll show you how to use your culture to help you stand out. Stay tuned for this week's episode. Welcome to Winning at Work, everybody. It's Tony. And this was probably a year ago. I had one of my favorite conversations where Michael Kielbasa had said to me, and this was a quote of a quote, that culture eats strategy for breakfast. And ever since I've had that conversation with him, I have used it in multiple podcasts. I've used it across so many of my social postings. I literally have people tagging me now on LinkedIn when they see any reference to culture, each strategy for breakfast. And I thought, you know, as we've been discussing more about the role and the importance of culture, not just to retain workforce, but to attract new workforce, I thought it'd be great to have Michael back down. And we're also in the middle of a series where we're talking about the successful strategies that brands are using not just in retail, but also in club to drive consumer awareness, to get into trial and adoption and get that velocity going. And for that conversation today, we have uh, MJ. MJ, it's a fantastic uh, uh, nickname. As I said, it's the nickname of greatness. No pressure. 
okay, uh, of the same company. He's, uh, and by the way, congrats on the new uh, promotion, Chief Revenue and Marketing Officer. So Thank now you. you've got double the pleasure, double the fun. Well, it's great to be here, Tony. Thank you. Well, it's great to have you guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. So this uh, this talk we had about culture, and I, I think about this, and I don't like to have these conversations often because they can be kind of soft and fuzzy and people don't know how to like make them practical. But I think that's what was so amazing about that conversation with you is that it was very practical. Your words were aligning with your actions and internally that showed up. And I just wanted us to kind of continue our conversation a little bit on culture, eat strategy for breakfast, and maybe how that translates to the greater marketplace when you're trying to attract people in. So um, it's a journey, right? It's not a it's not a one day fixes everything. I'm sure. I just got through telling my team that yesterday in my weekly message. It's a journey, not a destination. So when you're trying to communicate with the marketplace. What strategies or, or what has worked to help show that there is a, a different, better, or special culture, or what could other companies try to do, right, if they want to try to emphasize this aspect of their company to help attract people and help keep people? Well, let me let me let me back up just a second, and you know, you you mentioned something that I think is really needs to be, you know, culture is not soft, first of all. Culture is probably the hardest thing you can ever do as a leader is, is tackle culture. But the power behind having a strong culture is that it creates enormous clarity for everybody in the organization over what's important. And when you do that, you eliminate a lot of clutter. And, 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 and to, the, to the extent that you can, you know, that, that clarity is, uh, is, 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 is forced out through your products and through your actions and through the way you run your business. Word spreads, word spreads very quickly about, uh, your culture. And it's, it becomes a magnet for people to join your organization. We've been able to attract enormous talent because of our culture. And at the same time, that culture, you know, when we, we exist to enrich lives. And so when you do that, um, when, you know, and, and part of that is by creating memorable eating experiences. So when you do that, uh, looking outward, people recognize that when they eat your product, in our case, when they eat our product and they respond to us and they send us emails or I just got a, a great uh, phone call from a lady in Eastern Washington, um, yeah, last week and uh, and you engage them because that's your culture is to enrich lives. That's your purpose. And so it just becomes part of who you are as an organization. It happens somewhat organically, I would say. You don't need to push your culture necessarily. You just need to let it happen organically. And in that way, it's so authentic. It's so authentic, Tony, that and people are craving for authenticity, not just in brands, but in life. And that allowed that that is that is huge. I think, Mike, what you mentioned is, is so important. And we're, we're talking about hiring and retention. 
I'll tell you, our, our professional staff turnover is you know, undesirable. Turnover is basically non-existent. Um, and what we've seen is is because of the culture that we brought on, it's it's uncommon to us out there. And when people see this, they you know they expect it, um, and it's it's hard to come by elsewhere. And so it's it's a pretty pretty interesting thing. It's a great recruiting tool. It's a great retention tool. But I'll tell you, you know, our culture is great if you fit into the zone. <laughs> you know, into the spectrum. It's really painful if you don't align with our, our purpose and our family values. You, you won't you won't fit in here. One of the things that, uh, you know, I've been told, and this usually comes from people who have worked at larger organizations that have, you know, a, a mission, a vision, a, and core values like, oh, yeah, those work until people weaponize them. And I'm like, well, the only way you can weaponize your values if it, is if you have a selfish motive. And if you have a selfish motive, yeah, you can weaponize them. But in our culture, if you have a selfish motive, you're going to you're going to stick out like a sore thumb because we are not we have I have no tolerance for self for egos or selfish motives. <laughs> and so to MJ's point, if you don't align with this, it's pretty painful. If you align with it, you'll never, you, 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 you're like, wow, I wish this, I wish I had discovered this 20 years ago. So it's powerful, but it's hard. It's very hard. I made the comment at the top that I have felt that having culture conversations are soft. And I like that you corrected it from your point of view. You said culture is not soft. And you said that you know, it reduces clutter. And I want to, I want to drill down on that for a minute. What do you mean that a clear culture gets rid of clutter? What kind of clutter, I mean, what, what kind of clutter are you talking about? Okay. So perfect example is, uh, you know, we're all here to make money. We have to make money if we're going to, if we're going to survive as an organization. So let's say there's a guy on the floor making sausage and he notices that something's not quite right. Maybe, maybe the, you know, the, um, you know, something's not right. The spice formula is not right or something. He just notices that something's not right. Well, in a lot of organizations, that just will be passed through, right? Nobody, nobody, uh, it's just like, well, we got to, we can't throw that away. We got to make money, right? And we don't want to, well, in our organization, because of the clarity of our purpose, and the, uh, the, the, you know, that we exist to create memorable eating experiences. And because of the transparency and the ownership that we have in our organization, that guy or that lady will know that it's unacceptable. Not that it's not just okay. It's unacceptable to let that product go through. And so they toss it out. Well, that's, music to my ears because we're going to, we're human. We're going to make mistakes. That's just part of being a human. What happens is, is, and the, and the reason our culture is so, is the clarity around our culture is so powerful is that we can eliminate that without that product getting out of the marketplace and maybe alienating a customer. I tell people, you get one shot. You get one shot at a new customer. 
And if our product doesn't exceed their expectations, not meet, but exceeds their expectations, we'll never get that. We'll never get another shot at that customer. And so I've got a, a sign next to the, the little bull chopper at our, in our, the 150 pound bull chopper that we make all of our sausage in that's got the number 36,000 and $1.8 million. $36,000 is the lifetime value of a customer, of one customer. And each batch of sausage represents $1.8 million worth of new customers. So every product has got, every package has got to be great. Like you say, you only have one shot. You're lucky if you get two. And so you guys obviously have a strong presence in the Southeast. I know you're doubling down even more in Texas to kind of continue, you know, your branding there. MJ, what does it take for a brand to even get ready? to launch in a club because many people see club as that's the answer because we're going to get big volumes. I know you got to get ready when you hear, Hey, I want to get into club. What do you think? Club's great. Isn't it? Man, high volumes <laughs> instantaneously, but it is cutthroat. And you know, one of the things that you'll notice in club that's different than retail is they've got about four times the amount of square feet and about a tenth of the amount of SKUs. And so if you get in there, again, it's, it's high volume, but it is cutthroat. And, you know, you, you can build a lot of overhead to support that club business. And if you're in and out, man, that, that hurts. And mm-hmm. so in order to be prepared to go into club, you, you need to really understand what the risk is on both success and failure. Because both of them can drastically change your, your trajectory as a business. So what's the risk of, of success? Well, if you're successful, you're going to move a tremendous amount of volume. And the, the nice thing about clubs is there's multiple areas and regions throughout the country. And if you're successful in one, most likely you're going to be introduced to other opportunities. And so you got to be able to jump at that. You know, these clubs and, and retailers are all looking for distinctive items and items that are unique and dri- drive extreme value to the customer and the consumer. And if you've got that, that's great. But, you know, it's so competitive out there that if you can't fulfill that need, somebody else is going to. And, and the buyers are savvy. They're, you know, with the amount of technology and data out there, they know what their club members are looking for. Right. Um, and they're, they're very smart individuals and, you know, they're going to find a way to fulfill the need. And again, you, you got an opportunity to fill that need. And if you can't, somebody else is going to. The level of, of customer service, uh, both from a supply chain and from a communication and uh, logistics, you know, it's it is it is a, a daunting task. And so you've got to make sure that your infrastructure all the way from uh, what I would call PO to AR is strong um, because there, again, if you're not uh, well positioned or uh, have a good process in place, again, there's someone else that's going to go out there and do it better, do it cheaper. Michael, we talked about, 
you know, consumers do like to know something about a company culture, the story behind the brand that's sitting on shelf. Do you find that's difficult, though, to convey that when it's sitting on the shelf? Well, I'll take a stab at it and then I'll let MJ jump on. You know, we do put the on the back of our package. It's got a little little bit of our story. It's got a picture of my grandfather um, who started our company, but it doesn't talk a lot about necessarily our purpose and family values uh, just kind of gives a little bit of history. One of the things we did probably almost eight or nine years ago is we, we did change our logo uh, to better reflect kind of who we are as an organization. Yeah. It's tough, isn't it, MJ, to try to convey, right? I mean, consumers are making choices in what, two seconds, two and a half seconds. Yeah, if, if you're lucky. Right. And so one of the, I think one of the most, um, one of the best decisions we've made and probably one of the riskiest, and this goes back to when Mike uh, started off you know, several years ago, is we've got a bold bold statement on our package that if it's not the best sausage you've ever had, we'll refund your money. And uh, we also put Mike Kilboss's phone number on there. <laughs> and so you, you want to talk about Do you experience. get phone number? I mean, do you, do you get calls? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. You, you want to talk about, I'm going to test this culture? out sometime. <laughs> you want to talk about experiencing culture. How about the, the CEO of an organization calling you back when there's a complaint? Because guess what? Who wants to talk to someone that's got something to complain about? No one. Typically. <laughs> <laughs> you but know, ironically, but, if you do have a complaint, you want to talk to somebody that you know that can fix it. Yeah. It, you know, Mike would say it's a gift. People are giving you meaningful feedback. That's that true. If, if you really listen to them, it is a gift. And not only that, you know, studies show that if if a customer buys your product and it meets their expectations, they're somewhat satisfied. If someone buys your product and they're upset, but you go out of your way to make it right, they're more satisfied than if they would have just bought the product and it meet their met their expectations. And so, you know, not only are we getting the gift of feedback on how to improve a process or be aware of something that may be happening. We're going back to that $36,000, right? We are creating lifetime customers. And guess what? Nobody calls people back. And so they're going to tell their friends, I had a bad experience with Kilbasa. And then Mike Kilbasa called me back and made it right. I mean, it's, yeah. a, it's an incredible way to show who we are. And when we talk about enriching lives and creating memorable eating experience, that's, that's one of the biggest things we do. And it was it started what twenty five years ago, Mike. Yeah, well, it started. It actually, uh, Tony. This is a great story. I don't know. Back in the early nineties, I uh, I was trying to expand distribution of our of our brand. We were just in a few grocery stores in San Antonio, and I went on the radio, and I had a, another guy do the radio spot, talk show radio guy, and I said. After he came down and did the tour and I gave, gave him some sausage and he, he said it was great. Here's what I want you to talk about on the, on the, you can talk about whatever you want, but here are the two things I want you to hammer home. The first is that if it's not the best sausage you've ever eaten, I'll give you a call, Michael, and he'll give you your money back. And the second thing I, that I want you to hammer home is if they can hear your voice, they can find our product in their local grocery stores which was a bold face lie. I was in <laughs> five stores. 
my dad, my dad wasn't real happy with me. He wanted to fire me, but I, I convinced him to give, you know, give it a shot. And sure enough, that helped get us, you know, expand our distribution. And, uh, <laughs> um, uh, be careful with that, but it worked for me. I'll just say that. True yeah. sales attitude. We'll make it happen. Yeah. 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 Um, so other than going on the radio and telling everybody to come by us, which I'm sure radio spots are more expensive these days, MJ, talk to us about what strategies are working that drive consumer awareness and get them into that trial. Because you can't, you, I mean, maybe you have the money to do this. Are you putting demo stations in every store? I, I imagine not. So what's, what's working? Yeah, you know, we, we, we implement a lot of strategies. And, you know, I'd say over the last year, we've gotten a lot better at seeing what is efficient and what is not. And, and just like any marketing, it's really hard to measure. Um, I'll tell you some of the things that uh, we believe to be true is, is getting product into people's mouths. And having that wow experience is one of the best things we can do. So, you know, any opportunity we have for activation, we want to make sure that they can smell, taste, and experience uh, the product so that they, they you know, it's ingrained in, in what they do. And when they go to the store, they can remember that sensation because uh, we truly make a unique, great product. So when you, when you look at uh, expanding, uh, say, a footprint in, in club, how difficult is it for you to get that kind of prominent spot on the end and be able to do demos to get, as they say, you know, well, in the beverage world, it's liquid to lips. Well, I don't know right. what the, I don't know what the expression is. We, for, we've come up with links to lips here. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, help me out here. I am struggling. What is it? I'm like, yeah. do I try to say this thing on air? Okay. Links to lips. Yeah, I think very, we got another uh, viral comment there, Michael. All right, go ahead. What? So, uh, you know, so to get the end caps, it, it's in clubs specifically. You know, with our product, we've got seasonality. People buy sausage in the summer, and when you go outside of Texas, people actually have true seasons. And so, <laughs> Four seasons. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's weird. Here, you just got hot and warming up. Um, and so, you know, when we go outside of the United States, when there's true seasons, you're not going to get an end cap on the winter. And with club, because of the way they're set up, you may not even have distribution during that time period. And so that's another thing you've got to be aware of is that you're not guaranteed a spot on the shelf at any given time. Um, and if you're a seasonal item, you should expect to probably come off the shelf uh, during the off season. I never thought of sausages seasonal. I mean, I is is that... Why am I missing that? I mean, it's always in the grocery stores. It is. The the, the rate of sale drastically goes down now when you move outside of Texas. Mm. People have, have, have and I, I think this is somewhat inaccurate, but, but, but especially with smoked sausage, um, it's become a kind of categorized as a grill item. And, of course, I grew up eating it for breakfast. Um, that's yeah that's and, what i do and uh, but you know for whatever reason you know it's uh it's 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 kind of considered a grill item now in a lot of in a lot of uh, channels and so it, it 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 it's got a lot more seasonality to it then ah uh, i see so therefore i.e kind of barbecue i'll tell you what i say that 
with the exception of uh, Super Bowl, which has become one of the biggest holidays of the year for us, believe it or not. And uh, uh, I guess people, whether, you know, it's, it's tailgating, I guess. <laughs> but you, I guess you could be in Green Bay and be wanting to grill your your sausage or your brats, uh, you know, in the middle of dead winter. But <laughs> uh, You guys don't do brats, do you? We don't do brats, no. Yeah, those good because those stink. I don't know what it is about brats. I had a I had a Green Bay guy, what used to be my neighbor. He came over for a big playoff game. He goes, "Do you mind if I use your kitchen to make these these brats?" He brought all this special beer over. My wife was so mad at me for letting this guy in my house. <laughs> it stunk to high heaven for like three days. So that's good. You're not associated with that. Um, no, I, you know I wasn't getting that because I eat. Um, I eat protein for breakfast, so I look for, you know, eggs, sausage, links, bacon, things like that. So that's how I that's how I see it. Um, and I've seen you in club and I and I frankly I buy and I rebuy, you know, when I'm when I'm near a Costco and I can and I can find you guys. MJ, just what are the unique challenges though of selling into buyers at club? I'm just I, I know there's food and beverage brands that are trying to break in. What seems to be the the big challenge? Do, do do they want to see retail data? Do they want to see social media presence? What is it that they're that they're really wanting to see, or the, or they wanting to see a strong supply chain? You might have touched on this, but I I really want to kind of drive that home. Yeah, I think Mike could really help on this conversation too, because he's got a lot of experience talking to the buyers. Um, but again, I, I think they're they're looking for tremendous value for their club member first. I mean, they are, they are there to make sure that they can get the most quality, most product at the cheapest price possible. And they're not going to sacrifice on, on quality, typically. Uh, and so, again, you've got to have a distinctive item. You've got to have something that is different than what's out there. There's a treasure hunt mentality uh, that's been created, I'd, I'd say maybe in the last 10 years, where people are going to experience new and you've got to stay innovative. You've got to stay relevant. You can't just be the same uh, mundane product. And if you are, then that's that's great. But you're probably not going to be successful at club. Didn't you guys just launch that new Cajun style? Um, uh, and we, yeah, we did. We did. We've got, I'm going to go uh, check that out. I love that Cajun, that Cajun flavor, that Cajun style. Yeah, we've got a bacon cheddar breakfast link coming out here soon too. And, you know, so those are the, those are the items with limited time offers that are really resonating with club where you can come in and create a unique uh, seasonally correct flavor profile that gets the member excited. Uh, but you got to be consistent with it because again, they want to create some excitement in club. They want a reason for customers to come back in and, learn something or see something new and be a distinctive place to get those items. Do, do you want to talk about what it means to be a basket builder? Because I would see this product as such. I don't know exactly about being a basket builder. Builder, I can tell you that, you know, really our strategy when we go talk to buyers is that uh, our category has been somewhat bastardized over the 
you know, last 50 years by, by brands that have once started out to be, be good, but then have kind of value engineered themselves into mediocrity. And as a result, there have been a lot of people that have exited, a lot of consumers that have exited even buying uh, dinner sauces because of the just mediocrity of the, of the experience. So we really want to bring people back into that, into the category. And that's, that's where our, our, our quality, our, our small, literally small batch process comes into play. And that's what we try to, to, to communicate in our, in our marketing and really trying to grab that person who is, who has maybe said, I'm not, you know, I'm, it's a glorified hot dog, so I'm not going to eat it anymore, whatever. Uh, trying to bring that person back in and create an authentic, show them what really an authentic smoked sausage looks like. And then using that really to expand the category for the retailer. So it's a little bit of a, of a uh, flanking, I'd call it a flanking you know, maneuver, if you will, to the, in, in the category, really to bring people back into the category and expand the, the category for the, for the retailer. You, you want to bring people back in who might have left the category, but you need to be seasonally adjusted. You've got to have the right flavor profile for what's happening. Would that not open itself up for some interesting collaborations, maybe with other companies and chefs oh, to, yeah. to do things? Uh, have you uh, got what, what's happening in that arena? Because I would feel like that's oh, yeah. another whole area that just. Yeah, it's a great it's it, it, it's absolutely spot on, Tony. Um, a lot of times when we do demos, we'll bring in, a, you know, a sauerkraut or a mustard or uh, some other condiment that, that complements uh, our product and their product as, as well. And so it's really a team effort. That, 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 that really does kind of help build the basket, if you will, by doing these uh, co-demos. Uh, but it's got to be a, you know, it's got to be a good fit and it's got to be a, you know, high quality product and we've got to complement each other. Uh, to make it worthwhile, but it's a, it's a, it's a great, uh, it's a great, great way to, to, uh, to do what you just said, build a basket and also, you know, reduce the cost because you're able to split the cost of the, of the, of Oh, the that's clever. Well, see, yeah. you took it a step further. You were, you were thinking even at the demo, I was just thinking, you know, let's face it. Sausage can be used in so many different concepts. I was even yeah. thinking, you know, let's bake it into this dish or this, you know, whatever. But to your point, going after that kind of higher end consumer that wants that that great flavor, you just find those other brands that are complementary that are also in that same vein, and you would both want to be associated with one another. And years ago, I mean, we would do promotions with with you know things like Kings for Charcoal and and Weber and uh, a lot, I mean, just, just these great brands that, you know, we, we, we tire, you know, do a promotion with, and it would be great. Um, kind of a win-win, especially around a, you know, a grill season holiday, something like that. Well, and barbecue is huge all throughout the Southeast. So I, I'm, I'm imagining MJ, you've got all kinds of opportunities that you kind of have to kind of suss through to figure out what's going to work. And you said something at the top too. You said, you know, marketing is sort of hard to, to quantify. And that's why, that's really why I wanted to, you know, wanted you here because 
brands are always thinking, well, how do I budget? What should I be putting into marketing? Or should I be putting more effort into sales? Should we just be working with distributors and buyers, you know, and not, not fund as much on the marketing side? So any comments around kind of how you prioritize? And I'm sure it has something to do with brand maturity as well. Yeah, you, you know, you bring up a really good point. And one of the ways we look at programs to increase sales is kind of twofold. We, we've got a trade promotion, trade accrual kind of bucket. And those are really driven for the immediate return, right? So trade promotion would be dollar off coupons, demos, buy one, get ones, stuff like that, that when you implement, you can see immediate lift in your, your sales. Uh, and then we've got marketing, which is more of a longer term, sustainable brand building expense. And those are the ones that are tough to measure. But we, but we believe and we've seen over the years as we've built this company that they're extremely important and creating lifelong customers it's one for them to get the product and enjoy it. It's another one they feel personally connected with the product. When that brand represents their lifestyle, represents nostalgic opportunities. Um, and that's, that's the marketing side of it. And one of the things that we're really digging into and, um, and, and trying to better understand and what we're seeing, to your guys' point earlier about growing up eating sausage on multiple occasions, well, millennials and, and zennials, they don't do that. In fact, a lot of them didn't grow up eating sausage. It's a, it's a different item for them, you know. And so Mike's point is, is not reintroducing. It is completely introducing uh, sausage to them. And so we're going to have to have a different strategy for that group than we are with boomers and Xers. Um, boomers and Xers, they're, they're familiar with the product. And so the strategy of the communication uh, is going to be completely different with them than it is going to be with the younger generation. And we've, we've got to make sure that whatever we're communicating is authentic to who we are because man, customers can't stand anything worse than unauthenticity. They smell the BS, don't they? They do. And you know what? With the prolific proliferation of social media, which has just become one big advertisement. And, you know, we've seen the billboard, like every second of the day, there is something trying to sell you something. And if it's not authentic, if it's not authentic, they're going to, they're going to smell it and they're going to run and it's going to turn them off. In fact, it's going to do more harm than good. Are, are you guys trying anything with brand ambassadors? Is that, is that something you've toyed around with? Because that's, you know, you can get into the micro influencers. You might even find people who are just super passionate about your product and they like to take photos and what they've created and put it on TikTok. I mean, that's that's pretty authentic, you know, if, if you have real ambassadors. Yeah, you know, we, we have definitely um, experienced brand ambassadors. And unfortunately, COVID uh, made a shift. We had a ton of brand ambassadors. It was probably some of our biggest marketing expense. And it was very successful uh, during COVID though, demos and social events weren't happening. And so we, we had to pivot from that strategy, but I definitely think there's an opportunity for us to build that back up. Um, whether it be in person or to what you mentioned on the social media, we've, we've termed the, or we've coined the term uh, cravers and, and cravers are 
you know, our core psycho and demographics that love Kilbasa. And it's, it's how do you, how do you develop relationships with them to actively promote and push your brand in an authentic way because they're so passionate about it and they, they're influential in their groups. You know, everybody trusts a third party more than a company reaching out. Totally, totally. Well, I think we're going to have to start a links to lips program. (laughs) (laughs) Are you craving a link? (laughs) I mean, it's, um, it's an onion, you know, and there's so many different ways to peel it. And it's a conversation that I just want to hear how brands are going about it. I know there's not a silver bullet, but the more, you know, ideas that are put out there, I feel like it kind of elevates and helps everyone think about how to go about doing it. I think demos we've established absolutely the best because it is introducing the product right to the consumer. I think everyone would agree on that. Um, but I imagine that's also probably one of the most expensive uh, and most challenging to to coordinate. Tony, I'll, I'll tell you something crazy that we have been dabbling in, and it, it only seems crazy now in about two years it'll be the norm, is AI. Um, and I don't All right, explain that. Chat GPT. Yep, I've uh, all, we, everyone's got a chat GPT account. We're all messing around with, yeah. you know. Well, you know, people questions. haven't unlocked the potential of that yet. And we've got some really young, talented uh, team members on our marketing team that you know, understand this technology better than I'll, I'll ever. And, you know, they'll go in and they say, you know, I'm a zennial um, who loves the outdoors and enjoys a sausage occasionally. You know, what's a message that would uh, work to influence me purge or buying a kielbasa sausage? And the, the information that that system can spit out is scary. It's crazy. It is scary. We, 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 we've asked it, you know, we're a, a generational company, 75 years old, who makes the best product. We stand behind it 100%. You know, what are some TikTok ideas we should do that would resonate with the Xers? And it spits out ideas. I mean, it is, it is going to be revolutionary to the industry. And it's, it's confusing and it's scary. Um, and you got to be very careful uh, because you don't want to put out too much information. Right. But it is a game changer for those that are able to lean into it and uh, continue to be authentic um, and take what it's saying and massage it to, to you know, represent who you are as a company and a brand. Yeah, I've seen some funny AI reproductions where it's not just the free account, but you actually are paying for the premium. You can ask mm-hmm. it to put you can ask it to put together video clips and things like that they're pretty funny though because they're it's not quite dialed in yet so right. <laughs> you can get a pretty good laugh yeah 80, don't 80 percent 90 percent's there yeah but the but the 10 to 15 percent that's not there makes them it makes them quite funny well i think um i think we've covered a lot of ground and i'm just uh i'm just glad to get back to the source get back to the source of culture eat strategy for breakfast it's been Long overdue. It's been over a year, Michael. Doesn't seem like it. I know. It just feels like we were just, you were just blowing my mind away just not long ago. And, and by the way, um, for those of you who have stuck around for our 30-minute 
or so conversation today, I am going to link in the show notes. You absolutely need to go back and re-listen to the first conversation I had with Michael because he took our conversation in a direction I wasn't expecting, and it ended up being one of my favorite podcast episodes. I I have listened to it several times after, so I recommend everyone uh, listen to that one. It's a great backstory. It's not a founder story, but it is a personal journey story. And um, I'm not going to give away too many spoilers, but I would definitely recommend people listen to that. MJ, it's nice. Uh, it's nice including you in on this conversation. And congratulations on your uh, latest uh, move there in the company. This is this been your only job? I was looking at the. I was trying to do the math. No, we don't. We don't do dates. We don't date ourselves. But you went right from an internship, right? And all the way through? I was born here, actually. (laughs) (laughs) He's your daddy boss. No, I, um, you know, funny story. I was living with uh, Mike's nephew, Andres, uh, while I was getting my my MBA at Texas Tech and needed an internship. Called Mike up and asked if he was interested in, you know, sponsoring an internship and um, six months later, I think I was the first non-production hire at Kilboss, and that was uh, 2007. So it's uh, it's been quite a journey. It's been incredible to have a, a front row seat, see all the changes, and, and to your point, the, the journey that we've been on, mm-hmm. uh, both personally and as a company. It's right, a, and, and also the, the 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 culture piece. I mean, look, it obviously works. You know, you're able to attract and retain and hold. So that's fantastic, gentlemen. Great talking to you both here on Winning at Work. If people want to go out and sample or try, I can't imagine that they've not tried or heard of Kielbasa. But what's what's the best way for them to kind of interact with the brand online and try to figure out where to go find you guys? Yeah, our website. Uh kielbasa.com will showcase pretty much everywhere we're located Uh, our social media is updated pretty regularly we we make sure we have uh, prompt responses if anybody has any questions or or wants to have a conversation Uh, those are usually the best uh, methods to get a hold of us that's fantastic Michael great seeing you again thank you Tony great seeing you too MJ we'll do it again and um Go to club, go to retail, and uh, check out some of that uh, summer sausage. Yeah. Links, links to lips. Links to lips. Go, go put That's some links. That's the first link. time I've heard that, by the way. There you go. See, we're, we're, this is a groundbreaking podcast, Michael. It just, the, 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 the title episode just writes itself. Yeah. Links yeah. to lips. All right. Well, we'll do. Uh, we'll follow up. We'll do a live stream again. We'll, we'll we'll get into some more information here as we go. Great, great, great seeing you guys right. again today. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Tony.